You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 903 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you, well, I guess it's now Thursday morning as I record this, a little bit later than usual on this Wednesday evening podcast. At the top of the show, I just want to acknowledge that it was kind of a really awful day in the country, and basketball is not the most important thing in the world in the grand scheme here, but we'll talk about the game, the Hawks-Hornets game, and it was a frustrating one for the Hawks in a lot of ways. Hopefully that, that provides some respite, some escape from reality, and also later on in the podcast, we'll have some audio from Lloyd Pierce, who addressed what transpired in the Capitol in Washington today pre-game before Hawks Hornets, so if you stick around at the end of the podcast, you will hear that, but uh, at any rate, the Hawks did fall. To the, to the Hornets by a final score of 102 to 94. It was sort of a tale of two games in a lot of ways. The Hawks were brutal in terms of the results in the first quarter, quarter and a half. And then from that point forward, the Hawks played better, the results were better, and they competed and actually took the lead briefly in the fourth quarter before relinquishing that and losing by an eight-point margin. So obviously this is three losses in a row for Atlanta. Not ideal for anyone in this circumstance. And uh, I would say three games in a row that the Hawks we're supposed to win, but they didn't win. And that's kind of at the end of the day, you have to win games that you're supposed to win, especially in your own building and uh, kind of brutal through that lens. But we will dive in as we always do here. The Hawks were not at full strength by any means, as we talked about yesterday on the podcast, sort of a preview segment on yesterday's show, but the Hawks were without a bunch of players in this spot. The one bright side was that Bogdanovich, who was probable coming into the game, did end up playing, was not necessarily himself though. And I'm, I'm not sure if he's hundred percent healthy at this point, only played 18 minutes and looks to be moving kind of gingerly, had some foul trouble as well, but we'll come back to that later on. And the Hawks were, according to our friends at BetOnline.ag, were six-point favorites in this game, so to lose by eight, not, not ideal. So out of the gate, the story here is the first quarter numbers and how bad they were, and I will recite them to you. I, had, I watched this game on a delay, so it was even, uh, I knew what I, was getting, <laughs> what I was getting into as I was watching it, and uh, it was as bad numbers-wise as you might imagine for an 11-point first quarter for the Atlanta Hawks. They lost the first quarter 27-11. to 11. Uh, There were a couple, of, a couple of turnovers and an air ball out of the gate from the Hawks. They opened the game 0-5 of and trailed 6-0. They did not score at all for the first three and a half minutes or so. They went deep into the bench in the first quarter with Nathan Knight playing along with Kevin Herter. Only played nine guys in, uh, without Solomon Hill who did not play until the second quarter. And then Bruno Fernando got a DMP in this game. But they had uh, the second foul from, from DeAndre Hunter late in the first quarter. Um, they brought Trey Young back in for offensive possession next to Goodwin, but actually without this play, uh, Goodwin, who came in for Trey late in the period, had a nice runner to end the quarter. And of course, after that, they gave it an outlet pass to LaMelo Ball for a pretty, a pretty easy layup to, to go down by 16. But that Goodwin bucket saved them from some even bigger history, got them to 11 points. But the numbers were hideous. Uh, 5 of 22 from the floor, 1 of 10 from 3. 0 of 2 from the free throw line, and those were Collins' misses, and he's actually a good free throw shooter uh, in the grand scheme. They scored less than a half point per possession, which is excruciatingly bad, quite obviously. Uh, you had Reddish was 0 of 5, Herter was 0 of 3, Trey Young was scoreless with two turnovers in the first quarter. They did have some pretty good looks, and that's something Lloyd Pierce said, and that I agree with. I heard him say that, and I watched back for myself. The looks were not as bad as those, num- as those numbers make it seem. Uh, if you just saw those numbers, you would imagine the Hawks just kind of ran nothing and had terrible offense, and I'm not going to tell you that they were awesome on offense by any means in that first quarter, 
but they didn't miss they, they didn't miss a bunch of makeable looks, and that happens on occasion. But still, it was pretty brutal. And honestly, they were pretty fortunate to only, only, be, only be down by 16. I think Charlotte was not that good offensively in the first quarter, and that allowed the Hawks to stick around. Um, but 11 was the fewest first quarter points for the Hawks since January of 2014. That was uh, a long time ago and a different iteration of this team. And only three guys scored for the Hawks. And until Goodwin scored on the final possession, it was only two guys that had scored in an entire quarter of an NBA game for the Hawks. So, yeah. So, it's kind of interesting because the Hawks famously collapsed in the in the two previous games in the second half, really late in the third quarter into the fourth. Coming into the night, the Hawks were the best first quarter team in the NBA by net rating. They had a plus 22.6 net rating coming into the game. And the starters um, that they've been using the last couple of games um, for most of the season, um, the starters have been good all season long. To get The numbers for those guys are really good together. I posted some numbers about Clint Capella and John Collins and Trey Young on Twitter earlier today on Wednesday. But the numbers are really good with those, with those guys on the court. And this game did not work out very well. Um, before we get to the rest of the podcast, I don't often do this, but I, I will insert some audio here from Lloyd Pierce. He does sort of get into later parts of the game, so if you did not watch the game, I think you probably did before listening to this podcast, but if you didn't, this will spoil some of it. But uh, this is what Pierce had to say when he was asked right out of the gate by Chris Kirchner about the slow start and whether it was the team coming out flat or not. Um, Lloyd, in, in the first half, it looked like the team came out a bit flat. Why do you think that was? Yeah, a bit's an understatement. Um, you know, I, I actually thought we had really good looks. Um, you know, like first and foremost, give them credit. Um, this is a team we knew who they would be. They would be scrappy. They would press. They would switch defenses. They'd zone. Uh, they scramble. And they, what they do is they give you some easy shots, uh, easy looks, I should say. Uh, but those are the looks they want you to get, not the ones that we were trying to create. And sometimes it's fool's go. You're shooting some of those shots um, because you're sped up and they're moving you. But I thought we were—I thought we were sloppy. It was really uncharacteristic, you know. The, the not a lot of turnovers. Trey obviously had a lot in the first half, and 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 uncharacteristic. You don't see that from him, and it's just one of those nights. You know, there's a couple that just kind of bobbled up into the air. Uh, you don't really blame anyone on. It's just it was that kind of funky night, and I wouldn't say it was flat. I just thought we were sloppy. Um, some of the shots in the first quarter, uh, missed a couple easy. Got got a couple blocked. And, you know, it, it kills your psyche a little bit and then they make a run and then they, they speed you up a bit more. I thought the second half we were able to attack them and hold them, uh, I think, under 45 in the second second half. And we, we take the lead and through all of that. There, there's nothing that suggested we would have taken the lead. And I thought our guys came in and competed and, uh, and then ran out of gas. Uh, I give BG a lot of credit, Brandon, a lot of credit. He played 16 straight minutes in the second half. And when he was taken out, it's because he had nothing left. And, um, you know, it's an uncharacteristic and unusual position for us to be in, to, to be down and, and to come back and get that lead. But flat was probably not the best word. Sloppy is probably a better one. And, and um, you know, once we settled, you know, I think we had three second half turnovers. We couldn't capitalize on, on any of our, our things down the stretch. So there you go. That was the reaction of Pierce to uh, the opening segment of the game. You know, on the bright side, from that point forward, the Hawks were the better team overall. But the second quarter was not great either. Atlanta did start out with Solomon Hill on the court in the second quarter. It was the tenth, he was the tenth guy to see action. But the Hornets scored the first four points to take a twenty-point lead. The um, Hawks were sluggish still. And then John Collins kind of awakened with six straight points to cut it down to fourteen. He got a couple buckets at the rim. He played well in this game. 
Um, there was a bizarre turnover by Trey Young that I wanted to note at the end of the at the sorry at the beginning of the, of the second quarter. He fell over the line on an inbounds pass when he couldn't find anywhere to throw the ball. That was his fourth turnover of the first half. He actually had seven turnovers before halftime. It was not a good uh, not a good night for Trey Young. Obviously, he's a star level player. That isn't changing. But uh, it was one of his worst games in a long time, uh, grand scheme of things, effort-wise, performance-wise. Turnovers, didn't really hunt for his shot at all in this game. Defensively, he was picked on quite a bit by Charlotte. So it was not only on Trey by any means, but he was not good in this uh, in this, in this particular contest. They finally had a pretty good possession with Kevin Hurd hitting a three, getting down to, to 13 at one point in the second quarter. But ultimately, the Hornets led by as many as 24 in the second quarter. And now, with that said, the Hawks should be credited for coming back and taking the lead in a game that they trailed by 24 points. But you cannot get down 24 points to the Hornets at home. That's inexcusable. Even with bad shot making, the Hawks had a lot of bad shot making, shot making in this game. You can't be down that big to this team. Uh, I know Gordon Hayward was hot and all that stuff, but that's pretty uh, pretty rough. Um, Collins was the only bright spot really in the first quarter and a half or so. He had 14 of his first 28 points for the Hawks and nine rebounds in the first 14 minutes of play for him. Um, they cut it to 11 at one point, but then it went up to 24, as I said before. A couple of turnovers from Trey, and then a couple of buckets from Gordon Hayward, who was awesome in this game. I will say the offense was better in the second quarter. They actually shot 48, 48% from the floor with uh, perfect from the, free, from the free throw line, but had too many turnovers in that period, and then defensively it got worse for Atlanta. There, the other small bright spot in the second quarter was Kevin Herter, who had 11 points after he came back in for his second run. Um, the last... Last bucket that he hit was a three to cut it to 19 before halftime. But the Hornets got whatever they wanted uh, on offense in the second quarter. That was kind of disappointing for Atlanta because once they found their offense, they could have been in good shape. But then in, in that second quarter, the Hornets scored 32 points with no turnovers and seven assists, and that's pretty rough. Also, this is the first time all season long the Hawks trail at the half. They were the last team in the NBA to lead every single game at the halftime break. So that's another, another, breaking, uh, another breaking news thing for this Hawks team. This evening, but a sub-80 offensive rating in the first half for the Hawks. Um, Reddish was pretty bad, one of seven. Uh, I thought Trey Young, by the way, had two points and seven turnovers at halftime. That's not something you normally see from him. And Lloyd Pierce used the word uncharacteristic to refer to the way Trey played in this game. I would agree. Uh, it was just kind of rough throughout. Uh, also, Bogdanovich only, had, only took one shot and had three fouls before halftime. He was not aggressive. Just overall, it was a really, really bad half for Atlanta. And I guess, you know, they could have been down more. And to only be down 19, they were allowed to sort of hang around this game. But uh, it was uh, one of the worst halves of the season. You can't say it was by far the worst because they had a couple of bad second halves earlier this week. But uh, sort of the worst first half of the season for Atlanta, and they were in a big spot as a result. Um, we'll come back in a second to talk about the second half, takeaways, and much, much more. But first, a word from our sponsors on the podcast today, and the first of which is betonline.ag. The regular season is now over in the NFL, but the playoff picture is now in focus, and there'll be a ton of football action in the coming days. With that in mind, there is only one place that has you covered, one place that we trust, and that place is betonline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for 50% welcome bonus with the site. On top of the NBA and all the fantastic matchups on a nightly basis across that league, there's a jam-packed slate of college basketball games happening every single day, and of course, the college football playoff finals are coming very soon with Alabama and Ohio State squaring off. And from there, the wild card round of the NFL playoffs is looming this weekend. Six games on the docket and all kinds of interest. If none of that gets you going, there's a full menu of offerings from BetOnline on any sport you can think of. BetOnline also has a huge menu of player props as well as live wagering, future bets, exotic wagers, and much, much more. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. Instead, get on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive that 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. One more time, that is promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus with BetOnline.ag. 
BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. January is always important setting the tone for the new year, and in 2021, that has never been more true. Luckily, our good friends at CBDMD are here to give you the support that you need to conquer your New Year's resolutions and make this year your best one yet. And if those resolutions happen to involve fitness, they got a brand new topical product that'll help you keep moving all year long. CBD Relief with Lidocaine infuses CBDMD's hybrid broad-spectrum formula with fast-acting lidocaine to help you provide temporary relief from minor aches and pains. And with the new bag-on-valve spray technology, Relief can be applied comfortably at any angle, even upside down. And to make it even easier, start the year off right. They're offering all of our listeners 20% off your next order when you use the promo code MBA at checkout. Once again, that is CBDMD.com, promo code MBA for 20% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD.com. All right, we'll dive back into the third quarter and beyond now. Like I said before, the, the second half was much kinder to Atlanta. The defensive numbers were better. The offense was better. And as a result, the Hawks won the second half by 11 points. And that isn't, that's usually enough to win, especially at home. I guess a team that's not as good as you are, if you play that one in the second half, you usually are going to be able to win. And after halftime, the Hornets shot 34% from the floor and 3 of 16 from the three-point line. Now, if I told you just that, that would be enough. But the Hawks just didn't convert. Uh, you, you heard earlier on the audio that I played for you with Lloyd Pierce about the opportunities that the Hawks sort of didn't take advantage of. And he's speaking about the fact that the Hawks, after halftime, shot better than the Hornets, but not but not by that much. They shot 39.6% from the floor and a startling 3 of 22 from 3. Now, they, they still managed to have 16 assists after halftime. That's a lot of assists. But if they just made, you know, a couple more threes that were pivotal, they had a couple of open looks. But again, you know, you have guys who are good shooters. Hunter was 0 of 4 after halftime. Uh, Trey was 0 of 2. But Donovan is 0 of 2. Um... Solomon Hill, uh, not Solomon Hill, Brandon Good was one of five. Like they, they had a bunch of misses that they needed in the second half, and that wasn't the reason why they lost. The reason why they lost was the first quarter, quite frankly. But they did have opportunities to really win this game, and that's important to point out. Um, by the way, they were down 20 early on in the third quarter a couple of times, and the, the run finally came. But before that, there was a genuinely horrific possession by Cam Reddish. Um, that ended in a really bad contested fadeaway to fall to one of nine in the game. Um, for the for the night, he was three of fifteen and zero of eight from three. He's just really pressing right now, doing too much offensively, not making shots. But coming into the night, Reddish was eight of twenty six in his last three games, and then he throws in a three of fifteen. So he's now eleven of forty one in the last four games from the floor with some ugly three point shooting as well. So I'm not trying to single him out. He was not only his fault here, but he had a couple of bad ones, and that was a really bad possession that I had to make note of. Um, the run did come though for Atlanta, a nine to two push to get down, to get back within thirteen, but the Hornets did resist, put it, put it back up to eighteen at one point. They actually went briefly to a Trey Young, Brandon Goodwin lineup in the third that actually re- returned in the fourth because Goodwin played a long time. Goodwin played sixteen consecutive minutes. Now that is a lot. That's more than pretty much anybody plays for this Hawks team. Um, Pierce talked about this after the game um, in his post game, but they basically tried to stay with the lineup that, that got them back into the game, which we'll talk about in a second. And the peril of that, which he acknowledged, is that once you do that, it makes sense, but guys run out of gas. And by the end of it, Goodwin was completely gassed. He said so. Other guys were gassed, Capella, etc. So, you know, it's kind of give and take. And a lineups is always stuff that, that fans want to point to. I totally get it, but it worked in this case. But they kind of you, you, at some point, you have to take those guys out. Uh, to avoid exhaustion, and that was uh, sort of biting them at one point in the fourth quarter. At any rate, 
The Hawks did put together an 11-1 run late in the third to cut it down to 10 with about two and a half minutes to go. On that, on that run, there was a high effort possession from Clint Capella that had three offensive rebounds and a tip-in, and then another three from Herter. One of the three triples that the Hawks made in the second half was that one by Kevin. Um, but it was a nice end to uh, sort of push, get back into the game. They only sh- they, Again, they did not shoot well in the third quarter, but they were able to get back within at least 14, you know, threat threat range, I will say, in the third quarter. And then their big run was still to come in the fourth. They're down 16 with 11 minutes to go. And that's a that's a that's a tough uh hill to climb. And as we saw in this game, even when you can come back and take the lead or get close, you are expending so much energy at that point in time to do that that it becomes tough to finish out the game. But it was a 9-0 run first by Atlanta cut it to seven, cut it down to 7 with 9 minutes to go. That run came with Goodwin, Herder, Reddish, Hunter, and Capella on the court, and they rode those guys continually, as I just said a second ago. Um, there were two big missed threes, continuing the theme from before, from Goodwin and Reddish, that would cut it to four. Um, they went back to Trey Young with seven and a half minutes to go, but playing alongside Goodwin in a lap that Hawks did not use really at all this season, but they wanted to ride Goodwin for good reason. He played very well in this game. After a very long official review, one of the other threes that actually went in in the second half was from Goodwin to cut it down to 85-81. And then overall, it was a 19-4 to push by the Hawks to open the fourth quarter, finally eventually taking the lead at 86-85 to on a three-point play by John Collins with five and a half minutes to go. So you went from down 16 with 11 minutes to go to up one with five and a half to go. So a 19-4, to that's a big one in a lot of ways. Now, after that, the Hornets finally found their offense a little bit. They only scored four minutes. Sorry, they only scored four points in about a seven-minute period. But then Gordon Hayward woke up again. He was great in this game. Hunter misses a deep three. They actually got a stop on Hayward, but he got his own rebound from there. Got a three-point play to cut the. To, by the way, he had 39 at that point, and it only kept rising for Hayward. Um, the, then the Hawks turned it over, got it back actually on a loose ball, but then Herder missed a wide-open corner three, and he, Herder was very good actually in this game. But that was one that he went back and a good reminder of all the shot quality the Hawks had that just not, did not go in in this game. I will say this, uh, Lloyd, Pierce, Lloyd Pierce challenged a play on John Collins on a loose ball foul. That was a very, very, very bad challenge from Lloyd. Now, it was a low upside decision. And usually the strategy on, on challenges is to save them for high leverage or high impact moments like you know three shot fouls, that kind of stuff. And this one... The call was questionable in the first place. I'm not sure if it was a foul on Collins or not, but it was not egregious by any means. And even if you won that challenge, it didn't really give you that much leverage. I know the Hawks, it was late in the game, which is maybe why you did it. If that had been a first half challenge, it would have been even worse. But, you know, there was at least a chance that they would have had a different moment later on in the game. It didn't bite them in that in that, in that sense, but I thought that was noteworthy. I know people have been mad at me that I haven't been challenging Pearson. Um, I think... Generally, it's overblown, all the Pierce stuff right now, as I've said in the last couple of podcasts. That was a bad challenge. Uh, I, and I would say that about anybody. That was a rough one. Didn't really understand it. Um, anyway, um, the Hawks didn't score for about three minutes. And then Trey Young gets a layup with about two and a half minutes to go to cut it down to four again. So the Hawks are hanging in that range, but the offense kind of be, kind of betrays them. And then Devontae Graham, who was bad again in this game, made a huge three to uh, kind of not seal it necessarily, for the Hornets, but given that he was, I think, one of 10 at that point, or one of 11, that was a big one from him to put to put the Hornets up by seven. 100, 100 then scores, but then Hayward continued his career night with a backbreaker of a jump shot, and then uh, after a missed three, the Hawks got a steal that would have maybe f- threatened a little bit, but then gave it right back. 
They got a layup to get within five, but that was kind of the end of that. There was a three in the air from Herter late that would have cut it to three. They still would have been a huge underdog if that went in, but it routed in and out, and uh, that was the end of that. So, yeah, as I said before, takeaways are wide-ranging. The second half was just fine defensively, especially. Um, the Hawks played better in the second half. Offensively, just didn't make shots in this game. Um, you know, overall, I will point out the fact that, you know, Pierce used the word sloppy a couple times. Uncharacteristic was used a couple times, both for the team and Trey Young individually when he was asked about both of those things. Um, you know, the open looks are worth repeating, but in the end, defensively, you hold the Hornets to 1.01 points per possession. Now, a lot of that was second half bad shooting from Charlotte as well, but that is more than enough to win. And it just didn't happen in this in this spot. But Charlotte won this game on the road by eight while shooting 37% from the floor and 31% from three. If you told the Hornets that they were going to do that, they have to assume they're going to lose. And I would have assumed that as well. But the Hawks, just the numbers are just jarringly bad in this game. They were 36 of 96 on the floor. That's 37.5%. They were 7 of 40 from three. And when you factor in that Herter was 5 of 12, which is good. Uh, it's not like elite, but 5 of 12 is, you'll take that all, all, all day long. The rest of the team was 2 for 28 from three-point range. Now that is tough to do. 2 of 28, I mean, even even on highly guarded shots, that's going to get you beat. Um, but yeah, that's just explains it. Honestly, that's probably the game. That's probably the game in a nutshell. I don't want to attribute too much to that, but the Hawks were much better in the paint. They outscored the Hornets 58 to 36 in the paint. It was just a uh, a game where the Hawks shot 7 to 40 from three. And sometimes that's something that's going to happen, but it's it's kind of a bad timing given the way that the Hawks have lost the last couple nights. And uh, if you combine that shooting with the way that Trey Young did not really bring it by his standards in this game, those two things get you beat. And uh, the Hawks, by the way, with their two best players on the court in this game, the Hawks were minus 15 when Trey played and minus 12 when Collins played. And I thought Collins played well, actually. But the starting lineup just was not having it in this spot. Um, overall offensive rating, by the way, last thing on that was 93.3 in this game, and uh, yeah, not going to be enough, quite obviously. Okay, we will come back in a moment with some individual takeaways and uh, talk about all the players that appeared in this spot, but first, a word from the folks at rockauto.com. Chain stores often have different price tiers for pro mechanics to do it yourselfers, but at rockauto.com, prices are the same for everyone, and they're always low. Instead of the market-changing prices, rockauto.com simply presents the lowest prices possible at all times. No matter what kind of car or truck you might have, rockauto.com has everything you need, just a few easy clicks, and they'll have it delivered directly to your door. And the rockauto.com catalog is also easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, the specs, and the prices that you prefer. Rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or an account login of any kind. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always low and the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend more for the same exact parts? Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or your truck, and from there, write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com all right, and we're back with the individual breakdowns to end the podcast before we get to Lloyd Pearson, some audio there. Um, off the bench, the two bright spots were Kevin Herter and Brendan Goodwin. Uh, Herter was the best offensive player for the Hawks, not named John Collins in this game. He was 7-15 from the floor, 5-12 of 12 from three, as I, as I mentioned before. 19 points, 6 assists, 5 rebounds, only 1 turnover. I thought Herter played very well, and even with that... He missed some shots that he usually makes and still shot the ball pretty well, but he had two or three wide open threes in the in the second half that did not fall out, did not fall down for him. But I thought he played well, genuinely was the best wing for the Hawks in this game. So uh shouts to him for that. 
Goodwin got some praise from both Trey Young and Lloyd Pierce after the game, and rightfully so. He was a, a big part of the Hawks getting back into the game with, with his energy. Nine points, two steals, two assists, three rebounds. Was one of five from three and four tips from the floor. He's not, he's not going to be the most, most, most efficient scorer in the world ever, really. But I thought this is the argument for Goodwin. I think you've been hearing that from Pierce lately as well. You know, a lot of the struggles the Hawks have had have not been his fault whatsoever. I thought he was uh, key in this game. And by the way, it was plus nine in a game they lost by eight. Now, that's not it's not necessarily an individual stat, but I thought that he played well and earned that and played, again, 16 consecutive minutes in the second half. Just a pretty crazy Ironman performance from Goodwin to get them back into the game. So uh, that was a positive. The other three guys off the bench not, did not do much. Bogdanovich, 18 minutes, 105 from the floor. Did have three assists, but had four fouls. Did not look great in this game. I wonder if the ankle is bothering him, as I said before. We'll see how he reacts. But the Hawks do have two days off after this, which is probably helpful for a guy like that. Um, Solomon Hill was not a huge impact guy. Uh, played 11 minutes, was plus one, two points, two assists, and two rebounds. I thought he played fine. Wasn't a huge plus, but uh, was solid and was not as bad as he was the other day. And then Nathan Knight got in the game for three minutes. He played ahead of Bruno Fernando. That is noteworthy, but it was only one stint. And it didn't last long. He was minus eight. Uh, didn't play great, but uh, you know, not that's not his fault necessarily. But I was surprised to see him a little bit. But the Hawks were also so bad in that run that you kind of just, you kind of wanted to experiment a little bit, and they chose him over over Fernando, which I thought was at least noteworthy in a small role. Um, to the starters, we will end on the positive note because I'm trying to be positive on this podcast, even though it's uh, it's a tough one. Um, we will start with Cam Reddish, who I, who I mentioned before, but Cam was very bad offensively in this game. Uh, Three fifteen from the floor, zero of eight from three. He uh, eight points, four rebounds, two assists, a steal, and a turnover. You know, I'm I'm not trying to pile on because I still like Cameron. I think he's a talented player. I think his defense is usually quite good. He is. Uh, it's very easy to see the talent with Cam, but the last four games offensively have been as bad as he's been since October of last year. He had the terrible start in the first month, month and a half of last season that was just like unsightly. You know, replacement level basketball offensively. And I'm not saying he's back to that permanently. But the last week, he has been pretty much that bad offensively. Uh, and this is probably the low watermark, the low watermark with the way that he played efficiency-wise. Now, the, the OBA from three, what are you going to do? A couple of those were open misses. He did have a couple of bad shots. And that, that's my concern really right now is that Reddish is trying to do too much offensively. And I think part of that is that they, they, they do run some stuff for him, trying to get him going. In fact, one of the makes that he had was a designed out-of-bounds play for a lob dunk at the very end, because before that, he was 2 of 14. Uh, so that was a freebie that he got late to sort of juice a little bit of the numbers. But they try to have him have some confidence. They're putting the ball in his hands, and that, that's probably good long term. But that's a good reminder right now is that they're not in development mode at the moment. You want to play guys, for sure, and Reg still helps you defensively and all that stuff. He's still he's still a threat, but uh, he's been struggling mightily. I just want to point that out because uh, that's been a, a pretty big uh, downgrade for the Hawks on the wing at times in the last couple of games. Um, DeAndre Hunter was not as good as he's been recently in terms of efficiency. He was 6 of 15 from the floor, 1 of 7 from 3. Did have 17 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, and 2 steals. So it wasn't like he was a non-factor. And But defensively, uh, he struggled on Hayward for sure. Everyone did. Uh, Reddish, Reddish, Reddish did as well. Um, I, I think Hill, you know, Hill had him for a while. Hayward torched everyone, so that's not me picking on DeAndre. But he, he could not stop him in this game. Um, I thought he was not as bad as the shooting numbers look. But not not a huge plus 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 game from Hunter. Capella had 19 rebounds, a season high for any Hawk. Seven points. Um, I thought he was pretty good effort wise playing around the rim. I thought his defense at times and rim protection was not ideal, um, but still, you know, the rebounding is so big, and he's been a solid a contributor for the Hawks. And uh, you can't you can't overstate the rebounding there, as well as some offensive rebounding, which is definitely helpful. 
Um, Trey Young, like I said before, really bad by his standards. I mean, there's no way to sugarcoat this. It might have been his worst game in two seasons. I'm trying to think of, an, of a, a couple of other, other examples of Trey not having it. But um, this is a night where he took nine shots in 35 minutes. And I'm not killing him for taking nine shots. But you have to. there was not the aggression level from Trey Young that you normally see, either as a passer or a shooter. In the first half, the turnovers were just kind of out of control. Seven before halftime. On the bright side, he had zero after the half. That's noteworthy. And again, he was part of the part of the entire team that played so much better after the half. A couple of just like lost ball turnovers. I mentioned the one where he stepped he stepped over the uh, baseline. That was just a weird one in a lot of ways. But three assists, seven turnovers, five rebounds, two of nine, oh three from three. Uh, yeah, just not not a night for Trey Young that he'll want to remember. Obviously, I don't worry about Trey Young necessarily, uh, but he does have to be good for the Hawks to be what they want to be. He knows that, I'm sure, as does everyone else. And this is not a night. I mean, they could have won this game with him doing that. And that's kind of the bright side here is that if the Hawks had gotten a little bit more from Reddish or Hunter or Bogdanovich or something like that, they still could have won this game, even with Trey doing this. That's that's a plus because in the past they would have lost by probably a lot more. But they need Trey to be better than this, and everyone knows that, so I will leave it there for now. And then John Collins was the player of the game for Atlanta, 23-11 and 11 in 32 minutes for John. He was very active. He was the only guy in the first half, at least until Kevin Herter caught fire late in the second quarter, that was doing really anything well offensively. He was getting to the rim, being a bully, bringing his energy the way that John often does. It's one of the things I like about John Collins the most, honestly, is that he plays hard all the time. To the point where if you're down 30, if you're up 30, it's like he can't not play that hard, which is a good thing. It's an absolute positive for John, and he was uh, keeping them alive in the first half in a lot of ways. So we'll end on a positive note by talking about that. Okay, so overall, the Hawks have lost three in a row. No excuses. You cannot lose three games in a row to these three teams. You cannot come home after being 4-1 and one and lose to the Cavs, the Knicks, and the Hornets in succession in your own building. Losing one of those games cool. Losing even two of those games, kind of explainable. You can't lose three in a row to those teams, so no way around it. The Hawks are now one and three at home. You don't, you don't want to see that. Obviously, the home court advantage is minimalized this season with the lack of fans, but still, it does matter on some level, and you want to protect that and win. So the Hawks are, you know, a lot of the optimism is now gone, and the fan base, I, I totally get that. And uh, the challenge is coming. The Hawks do have some schedule stuff coming up. They have to go to Charlotte this weekend, and that, that's very winnable. The Hornets are not as good as the Hawks on paper. It's still a road game. On Saturday, and then the Hawks hit the road for three tough games against good West teams. And uh, yeah, we'll see how they react to that. But we'll come back later on with more of that. So, as I said at the top, obviously basketball was not the most important thing in the world on Wednesday. And Lloyd Pierce did spend most of his pregame ability, availability being asked about the events in the nation's capital, what his thoughts were on all of that. So I wanted to play that audio for those of you who are interested at the very end of the pod. It's about eight minutes here, and you'll hear your questions from in this order. Chris Kirshner, then Jacob Roth of CBS 46, and Mark Medina of USA Today with answers from Pierce after all of them. Um, Pierce did answer some basketball questions about the Hornets game. Those I've edited out because they were obviously the game already happened, and they were not terribly interested uh, in terms of like it was just mostly normal stuff. So I will will leave you with the audio of Lloyd talking non-basketball, so just keep that in mind. Uh, The rest of the podcast, I think Lloyd is always thoughtful, interesting, so I want to pass that along to you. That audio is coming up now. Thank you for listening to the podcast. As always, I'll be back with one more show um, in, in advance of the game on Friday. I have a guest lineup up that I will, I'm, I'm hopeful is going to be coming through. But regardless, I will have a podcast probably around midnight on Thursday evening into Friday morning. Please subscribe. Please tell a friend and all that stuff. And here is Lloyd Pierce, and we'll see you next time. Um, what are your thoughts on the insurrection we've seen today in, in Washington? Um. 
probably the same thoughts everyone has. You know, it's 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 not unexpected. It's it's tragic in nature. Um, I think it's sad, honestly. I think it's um, and that's that it's a sad reality. Is really what it is. It's uh, it's unfortunate that this is what we're looking at in our country after the year we've been through. Um, but it's not unexpected. You know, I think, um, you know, a day for, for someone like me, an African-American man, to really look at here in the state of Georgia and you see someone like uh, Raphael Warnock become the first African-American man um, from the state of Georgia, representing the state of Georgia, uh, you know, going to the, the Senate. And you see the following day that this is the reaction. This is the reality. There's no coincidence that that uh, that this is the reaction to all of the events that are going on with regards to what has happened on a very promising election yesterday. Uh, the people of Georgia came out and voted. Uh, people, African-Americans in the state of Georgia voted at a higher rate than they did in the November 3rd election. And they spoke up for this state and for this country. And um, we live in a divided country. And we can say it's it's power and politics, but it's race as well. And today is a reflection and it's a truth for those that have ever neglected um, the issues concerning people of color, the communities of color, African-Americans, and their ability to have access. Uh, if you've ever neglected that, you're seeing it today to say that it's real. Racism is real. The issues are real. The protests, it, it, they were real because what we're seeing now is just, it's, it's a sad, it's a sad reality that our country has yet to really reckon with and acknowledge. And, um, you know, for those that, that didn't believe it, I hope you believe it now. And I hope you, you really want to be a part of the solution as many people have. I salute the organizers um, who have done a tremendous job uh, of encouraging people to vote so their voice could be heard because their voice has been heard especially here in Georgia, but also in our country in the elections. Um, but I think the people that have been organizing understood that this issue has occurred for a long time. And, and those that have denied it are seeing um, the reactions. And no one wants to see a federal building being destroyed because of divisiveness and politics and race, but we're seeing it. And so now it's just, what do we do? I've said all along, you know, after November 3rd, it was great. Everybody wanted people to vote November 3rd. But after November 3rd, what are we going to do as a country? What am I going to do as a coach? What are we going to do as an organization? This is why. We knew this was coming. We didn't know when. We, we knew it was coming. We knew this wasn't going to happen easily. And so it's unfortunate. It's sad. It's really sad in our country that we're seeing it. But it's the reality. It's a sad reality. Uh, hey, coach. You know, the last time we talked to you about something like this was over the summer. Uh, when all the protests were happening in the wake of George Floyd's death and your team wasn't in the middle of the season then and now you are so how do you did you I mean I don't know did you talk about everything today what what's it been like around the team as you have to now get ready for a game day? yeah you know it, it's it's one of those moments where you know we had a long film session yesterday about basketball and trying to correct two games that we lost to two teams that are scrappy and tough uh, and it's not the end of the world is what I told them. You know, this is a learning point. It's seven games in the season. We've got a long way to go and there's a lot of things we need to correct. 
Uh, but this is basketball. This is what you, this is the challenge. You embrace the challenge. You embrace the journey. Um, today's conversation was a follow up to yesterday. There's so many things that are really essential and important to us that need to be essential and important to us because there's so many things that are just crazy in this world that are going on. Um, basketball is a joy. It's a privilege. It's an honor. And as we go through these challenges and we go through this, it's still basketball. Um, and it's a reminder that what we thought was was crucial and critical yesterday is really insignificant in the grand scheme of things. And so when we get here and we get together as a team, this is our family. This is the we mentality. This is why we bond and we try and grow. Because when we leave here, the stuff that's going on in our world consumes us. It consumes me. And so let's enjoy what we can while we can, because there's so many other things that we can't enjoy. We can't enjoy just being outside and doing what we normally used are used to doing because of the pandemic and now because of what we're seeing. And, and that was the message today. Let's enjoy each other while we have each other and while we're able to play this game that we love and don't make little things, major things. Don't minor the major, just keep it what it is. It's a sport. We embrace the challenge. We embrace the journey and keep that the focus. Hi Lloyd. Uh, hope you're hanging in there. All things considered when you look at the contrast of how police handled today's rioters versus peaceful protesters this past summer, what's it going to take for there not to be this racist double standard with how things are handled? I wish I knew the answer to that. <laughs> um, it, it'll never change un until there's an acknowledgement that there's a difference. It, it'll never change unless there's an acknowledgement of the past with regards to how African-Americans have always been treated and the history of that and going back to slavery and going back to reconstruction and going back to civil rights. You can't say that things are gonna change if you don't acknowledge that it's a problem. And what you're seeing today is a reminder that there's a huge difference. There's a reason why there, there isn't um, shootings and, and brutality and looting and things of that nature. And it's, and people are just walking around the Capitol building as if it's nothing. And there's people sitting in Nancy Pelosi's office as if it's nothing. We all understand that that would have been guns ablaze and fires ablaze right now if there were black people protesting. If there were black people protesting on the outside, we haven't even mentioned getting inside and tearing up the building. Um, but we can't, nothing's going to change until we acknowledge that there is a huge difference in how black people are treated when it, when it, with regards to law enforcement. Um, and that just hasn't happened. We've been fighting for that. There's been protests about that. There's a reason why people have encouraged others to get out and vote to change leadership. But until you truly acknowledge that there is a difference in how black people are treated in this country, um, and especially with regards to law enforcement in situations like this, um, that's not going to change.